0: Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church for counseling and discipleship. We're live from the 2019 Call to Council Conference, and we're joined live with our co-host, Shauna Van Dyke. Hello. Jeremy Lelich. Good morning. And our special guest, Jonathan Holmes. All right,
1: Jonathan. Good morning. morning.
0: Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Uh, And so we want to start with uh, just giving a little bio for Jonathan and his book,
1: Okay, so Jonathan is the pastor of counseling at Parkside Church in Ohio, and you were the founder and executive director of Fieldstone Counseling and the Council Board for the Biblical Counseling Coalition. That is awesome. Lots of responsibilities. How do you do it all?
2: (laughs) God's grace and a great wife.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Well, you just released a book called Counsel for Couples, a a biblical and practical guide for marriage counseling. We'd love to hear your heart behind the book and, and any advice you have out there for our local churches.
2: Yeah, when I, when I started writing the book, uh, tried to get a lot of feedback and interview a lot of different pastors and ministry leaders and just people who are on the ground doing marriage counseling and just tried to find out what, what really is hard, what's good, what do you enjoy about marriage counseling? And I actually was surprised that most of the people I interviewed said that they actually enjoy marriage counseling. They love seeing marriages change, but they, they just don't have the resources. They don't know what to do mm-hmm. in so many different situations. So that's really what the book grew out of was a desire to come alongside people and help just equip them, not, not write the final thing on, on any of the different topics, but at least give them a little bit of momentum and a little bit of a
0: starting place
2: just on a variety of different topics.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. All right, so got a couple more questions right. here for you. So as a pastor and counselor in the local church, Context, what would you say to pastors listening about the importance of having a marriage ministry specifically or a counseling ministry in their local church?
2: Right. Such a good question. I, you know, when I think about marriage, you think about relationships in general, but marriage in particular, like you had asked. And you know, marriage has this unique ability to tell the story of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so when marriages break down and when marriages are in need of help, I think what, what better way in terms of the mission of the church to come alongside couples and to help them, to help them restore their marriages, to help them make their marriages, uh, tell a story for the glory of God, uh, rather than refer them out or rather than send them out somewhere else when the church and uh, I think the local church really has the answers that they need uh, in order to address a lot of those different issues.
1: Well, I tell you, like once you get through the pages of the endorsements, let me keep flipping here of how many people love your book. Why, why what do you think is unique about your book outside of the other marriage books that are out there right now?
2: You know, in terms of the in terms of the setup of the book, I didn't really know or couldn't find another book out there like it. I mean, Jay Adams had a couple of books, you know in the early 80s where he had written different things about. Uh, marriage and and marriage counseling, but in terms of something from a biblical counseling perspective that was really designed for lay people, people in the church, somebody that could come pull this off of their pastor shelf, borrow it for a couple of weeks as they prepared for a mentoring session, a counseling session, and at least get them started. So in every one of the chapters, uh, there's a testimonial from a couple, there's a testimonial from a person in the biblical counseling movement, as well as just a lot of different resources that they can follow up with. Uh, but I wanted something that was very user-friendly, you know, regardless of your background, regardless of where you came from, something that felt accessible to you and, and that equipped you as soon as you read it.
0: No, that, that, that's really good. And uh, what I appreciate about that is really it allows anybody to pick up yeah. the book if you're a Christian and you're trying to grow not only in your marriage but obviously as a Christian – you can use that to help one another. Absolutely, And that's really what it's for. So well, that's, starting that's out great. in counseling,
1: there's a lot of fears that when you're sitting in front of that couple, you're like, oh no, like you yeah. just feel like, where do I even start? And sometimes there's so much, it's just, man, where's the, the, how do we remove this rubble and where do we get started? I think that's probably a lot of fear. And even just thinking of the pastors out there, I, like the the time yeah. that's needed, yeah. the sufficient care yes. that's needed for couples, yes. how in the world am I going to fit this in my schedule, right. which is why it's important for members and our, 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 the fellow believers to become a part and, and offer extra support.
2: Yeah. And, and Shauna, you bring up a great point about the time that's involved. And when I talk to people and Jeremy, you maybe uh, get similar feedback, but when I talk to pastors and elders, the consistent feedback I get about marriage counseling is it's hard and it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And those are typically two things that a lot of pastors don't, don't want to do hard things and don't have a lot of free time on their hand, which I totally understand as a pastor and in, in, in biblical counseling, and in marriage counseling in particular, it is difficult, like you mentioned. But one of the things I try and encourage people with is that even, even professional counselors and, and professional marriage and family therapists find marriage counseling difficult. It's not a popular form of right. you know, professional counseling that people enjoy doing it. And, uh, and it's one of those things that, like you said, it can be scary and it can incite a lot of fear. So just trying to help equip people. Uh, Listen, you you do have the words of life. Paul says in Philippians two sixteen that you can offer to people, and Mm -hmm. wanting to to make sure that people feel equipped for that.
1: That's awesome.
3: And something um, I mentioned, and I think in our last episode, you're not you're not going to arrive as a counselor and then start counseling. Mm -hmm. You learn how to do these hard counseling sessions by jumping in there and doing them, Um, and maybe. working alongside someone with more experience than you have to get some guidance and feedback on, on how to do that. But I always encourage people don't wait until you feel like you're ready to do marriage counseling. If that's something God's called you to do, jump in there and that's where you'll learn to do it. And
0: just really quick to that point too. And and, and Jonathan, what you were saying is what's, what's great about how you could use this book is that a lot of people take when they think of marriage counseling as a Christian, like somehow you got to get in this formal context. No, you're, you're already talking with your friends or brothers and sisters in Ooh, Christ yeah. about your marriage and where you're struggling. Formalize right. that a little bit. Be a little right. more intentional right. uh, and apply the principles of one anothering that Paul gives us right. in, in the New Testament. So that's, that's good.
2: Sue Johnson, you know, who's a, probably one of the most well-known marriage therapists, says, you know, marriage counseling is like directing traffic, like on an eight-lane highway, which mm-hmm. you guys are familiar with here it's in Texas. Good. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you're, let's say you're a lay couple, you know, yeah. it's just doing marriage mentoring, You're trying to direct traffic on this eight-lane highway, and it can feel overwhelming. You're going to get run over Mm -hmm. if you try and tackle everything and feel like you have to have everything all right. And so, you know, Sue just says, you just have to find one lane. You just choose it, stop, get it organized, and and move forward. And that's that's really what we're trying to advocate for in the book is, listen, you don't need to be an expert on everything. You don't need Mm -hmm. to have arrived, like you said, Jeremy, but find one thing. Let's find one thing that we can focus on, that we can apply the truthfulness and the encouragement and the hope of Scripture to. And, and, and organize the traffic in that lane, as it were.
0: That's good. Uh, so a couple questions, uh, just kind of moving on here. The, the book being used as a leadership development piece, uh, so being a, not only a biblical counselor but also a pastor, in your own local church, how have you taken these type of resources to help develop and really execute a ministry for marriage or right. counseling?
2: You know, probably a few weekends ago we did, uh, we called it Just Counsel for Couples, and we brought all of our marriage mentors, all of our premarital uh, marriage mentors together, and we just did an all-day training with some of the content in the book and just tried to help work with them just on sharpening skills. You know, a lot of them have been in the ministry for a long time and just need a little bit of a refresher, maybe even just a little bit of an encouragement. Because as we all know, marriage counseling Mm -hmm. uh, is a hard and it's a difficult road. And it's not like every single couple you counsel gets this amazing redemptive story. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm. sometimes they don't. And, And I think a lot of times people who are involved in marriage mentoring need a lot of encouragement. Listen, keep pressing on. You're Mm -hmm. doing the work of the Lord. Don't grow weary in doing good. Uh, So, yeah, we just spent a whole day just working through some of the issues, chose a few of the topics from the book uh, to try to focus in on, and I think hopefully people left encouraged and more equipped.
3: Very good. And something I would also like to ask you about, Is uh, your counseling center? Yeah. Uh, Fieldstone Counseling, is that Mm -hmm. correct? Tell Mm -hmm. us how that came about. Is that a part of the church? Is it something separate? Yeah.
2: Fieldstone grew out of Parkside uh, initially because our lay counseling ministry just got so overwhelmed with outside requests and just, you know, our church has tons of people in it, so we got tons of problems. And uh, (laughs) we were having a hard time differentiating, you know, serving our community, serving other local churches, as well as caring for the needs of our own members. And so we saw the need for an independent Christian counseling center. Mm -hmm. And so about two and a half years ago, our elders put together a plan for an independent counseling center. And that's what Fieldstone grew out of. We didn't know, you know, if there was going to be immediately a need. Oh, yeah. uh, but as soon as we started it, I mean, it's been it's been pretty busy. Wow. So we've been blessed, uh, you know, in starting Fieldstone to be able to provide a resource for local churches in our area. And we, you know, see counselees from all over the country. But then also, something I think that you're passionate about too, Jeremy, is also providing vocational opportunities mm-hmm. uh, for biblical counselors. Great. Can you make uh, a living, make a livable wage, make a career uh, ministry, as it were, uh, doing biblical counseling? Mm-hmm. And uh, we feel like Fieldstone and so many other models out there uh, have proven that that is possible.
1: Well, here about that counseling center, when I was you know, looking at it online, one of the things I was most amazed about is you actually do remote counseling. We do. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Tell me yeah. about that.
2: You know, there's a lot of people that don't have access to good counseling or, you know, one of the things that, that comes up a lot that you guys obviously do a lot of work with is just other pastors and their wives and ministry mm-hmm. leaders. You know, if you're a pastor in a, in a small local church, uh, you might not have a lot of resources to go and get counseling from someone. You mm-hmm. might have personal issues that you don't feel comfortable talking about, you know, with uh, somebody else in the church. And so the remote counseling has opened up an opportunity for us not to replace the local church, not to uh, replace on-the-ground care for people, but to provide a little bit of an outlet for many people who just don't have access uh, to quality counseling. And so we've been really encouraged by the response for it. And, uh, you know, sometimes the medium of of doing it online can be a little bit difficult, Mm -hmm. but I think in this technological age, most people just, it's a little bit like old hat, and Mm -hmm. they move right forward with it. So
0: when you talk to people who you know would most utilize that that help in that context do you kind of preface everything with them as far as because it can be really distracting because we tried that at truth oh Renewed, man it's like kids and,
1: and dogs are jumping oh yeah. on them we're like wait it, this is yes, serious it, and
0: it so it became a huge distraction yes. um and then it yeah, so it just... You
1: kind of have guidelines, maybe? We yeah.
0: do.
2: We send them a little expectations check. I remember one time we had a woman, <laughs> mm. she was, I mean, she was like in the in the drive-thru at Starbucks, you know, like ordering a latte and <laughs> trying to get... <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and I, I, We told her, we're like, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't do probably that. Probably so, not a good time right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, and so we've tried to streamline it. We use a, a special telemedicine video conferencing server mm. uh, that's HIPAA compliant. And so it's not just like, hey, let's FaceTime yeah. on my phone, yes. right. you yes. know, yeah. let's do Skype. So we that's do try good. to make it a little bit more formal and a little bit more uh, formal to help maybe prevent some of those distractions that can come up.
1: So churches don't start there. That's the extreme. That's like years and years down the road. Let's just start with that basic uh, pastoral care. Yeah, there's a demand,
0: supply it. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's a huge demand for pastoral care for Mm. people, and especially for pastors and and just ministry leaders. We see a lot of people in ministry, vocational and non-vocational, who are struggling in their marriages, struggling with depression, sexual sin, just... Just overall, just burnout. You know? So
1: tell me from your perspective and you being in it for so long, like encouraging them out there, the importance of not sending them out and right. and why we want to have the counseling in the church. Something in-house. Yes. 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 So.
2: When, when you think about pastoral care within the context of the local church, I think, and, and David Pallison's mentioned this as well, when you look at secular mental health models and inpatient models, et cetera, all the different things that they're trying to approximate in terms of relationships, embedded care, opportunities for long-term growth—you realize they're they're actually trying to describe the church. Mm. They're trying to describe a local church, yes. somebody who cares, non-judgmental, provides, you know, unconditional positive regard. All those different things you you realize have so many opportunities to map onto the orientation of what local churches are mm. and what local churches can provide. And so sometimes it is discouraging to see local churches referring that out when. Such a huge mission field to be able to, oftentimes for free, be able to provide a continuity of care and just an umbrella of care for people who really need it. Um, and so for pastors who are preaching Sunday in and Sunday out, I tell them, you know, if you're trying to move from Scripture to life, all counseling is is moving from life to Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes that, that back-and-forth pastors are maybe not, they're not as experienced or they feel a little bit nervous about. They feel very comfortable having a one-way dialogue on a Sunday but feel less equipped to have maybe that, that two-person dialogue that, that counseling obviously brings to the table. And so then if there's a discomfort level there, you know, maybe it trickles down into mm-hmm. just not maybe seeing the value of it um, you know, for, for the local body.
3: So what, what might you, a lot of our listeners um, might be pastors who are curious uh, and interested in starting something like this but may not know how to get that started. What's yeah. some wisdom that you could provide for them?
2: one of the first things like if a pastor were to call field soon for a consultation or a park site i you know, one of the starting points is i would just say "What does your culture of care already look like let's start there describe what it looks like i'd mm-hmm. want to hear from them if if so and so at your church needed help tell me how would they get it who would they call i just want to know the existing structure that's already there or the lack of existing structure mm-hmm. and that's probably it's probably more the the former rather than the latter um and so just trying to help Uh, pastors realize that there needs to be a culture of care in the church. You know, that starts from the pulpit of, you know, what does the pastor talk about on Mm -hmm. Sundays? Does he talk about real people with real issues, or are they all abstract, are they all theoretical? You know, are we talking about issues of abuse and depression and and, and sexual sin in marriages, or are all those things just kind of abstracted out in terms of sin, Struggle, mm-hmm.
0: like know, an illustration difficulty. in a sermon, exactly. like actually using root, exactly. yeah, exactly. And just mm-hmm.
2: say, "Hey, you know, I know in, in, in a congregation of this size that there are people. There are women here that are struggling with postpartum depression, or women who've been in abusive relationships, and, and we care for you, we see you, and we know you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that 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 might be part of it. You know, another practical thing I always tell pastors is, hey, when you when you do meet with people. Bring somebody else into that. Mm. Uh, I never do any okay. counseling alone at Parkside or mm-hmm. at Fieldstone. It's a missed opportunity to train, uh, mm. to learn myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have interns that great. shadow all my sessions that they help me. They say, hey, you know, why didn't you do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you should have said this. <laughs> and, you know, none of us are, are above that ability or that opportunity to learn. Um, and Garrett Higby shared that with me, he, you know, a long time ago. He said, reduplicate yourself. It's great. You know, nobody's indispensable to the ministry, the kingdom. And so always trying to find ways to reduplicate yourself. So I find a lot of pastors do counseling alone, mm-hmm. which I'm surprised by. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bring somebody in, bring your wife mm-hmm. and bring your admin assistant in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously there's confidentiality issues, which have to be navigated for sure. But an opportunity to bring somebody else into that dynamic. Kind age, of like an advocate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like an advocate to show them, in, in some ways, kind of taken behind the Wizard of Oz curtain and <laughs> right. demythologize yes. what we're doing. Yeah, it's great. Asking questions.
0: Bust that myth. Exactly.
1: But you right. know what that's going to mm-hmm. do? That's going to encourage the advocate yes. to want to do more yes. and yeah. to participate more. So then all of a sudden, now you're discipling them. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the things that I think is, um, you know what, actually, let me go back to the church thing. Here's the comment that I was going to say, because I lost my train of thought, um, but here's what we're seeing in pastors they're, they're, the counseling becomes urgent in their church when it's a corrective discipleship yeah. so when the affair happens and we got adultery in the marriage we have the now what yeah. so I think one of the things that you know I, I would really encourage um, the pastors as we're since we're specifically talking about marriage here is like don't wait like get uh-huh. a plan uh-huh. of what corrective discipleship looks like because one of the things is um, you know then they're asking how do we care so, let's say the husband's the one who has the affair so how do we do the corrective discipleship on him but then guess who gets left out yes no one cares for the right. wife and so how do we have other marriages men and women who can come alongside them in that so do you have any feedback there
2: no i agree you know ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure so anything that you can do that's preventative any ways that you can help get good resources into people's hands any way that you can strengthen your premarital ministry or uh, not even marriage counseling but we at parkside we call it marriage enrichment you know not everybody's marriage is out of mm-hmm. crisis mode. That doesn't mean that your marriage doesn't need attention. So we Mm -hmm. call it marriage enrichment, and we'll run marriage enrichment small groups, and uh, we use Paul Tripp's uh, material from What Did Mm. You Expect? And we'll just run multiple groups. Just enrich your marriage, encourage your marriage, strengthen your marriage, so that it doesn't get to those crisis points. Yes. So be proactive. Yes, be proactive. But be prepared. Exactly. For the reactive part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things in terms of being reactive that I find a lot lot of times at that crisis point, you know, husband's discovering an affair is that Pastors can overpromise and under deliver on care. They can say, Oh yeah, you know, we're gonna help you and you know, we'll do Mm -hmm. whatever it takes and you know, talk to you know, talk to the woman and do similar things and you know, two or three weeks later go by and you know, other pressing demands get in and then that couple kind of falls off the map. Mm. So I tell pastors, and again, this is just my own personal belief, but I always tell people, underpromise and overdeliver. Be very, be very thoughtful about the commitments that you make to a couple. Don't tell them you're gonna meet with them every week for six months. If, if, if you're not going to follow through with that, don't mm. tell them you're going to be praying for them every single day if you're not going to follow through on that. Um, and so I think pastors have to be really thoughtful and careful about the types of commitments they make to couples. And I think that's a lot of times why they experience a lot of burnout or why they don't like marriage counseling is they feel all is falling on them. And so they have over-promised a lot of care, counsel, resources, Mm. and then realize that they can't do that. Yeah, so That's so good.
1: You said burnout, which is really cool because you actually have a chapter called Caring for the Counselor. (laughs) And let me tell you, I appreciate this and wish I had this years ago. Um, You know, as as it is, it is hard, you know, when one, you can't even sometimes talk about your cases, but realizing that you can give yourself to other people and forget to take care of yourself. And you've dedicated a whole chapter Mm -hmm. and have given great tips on that. So do you want to kind of talk about that? a little bit
2: yeah and and it's something that I wish and I think that biblical counseling probably needs to address a little bit more you know those issues of secondary trauma of Mm -hmm. the expectation of having a counselor day in and day out listen to other people's struggles and sufferings and patterns of sin and not be affected Mm -hmm. you know isn't doesn't make sense and so we need to to do better and I think think better uh, about how do we set up some frameworks of care for our counselors to ensure Mm -hmm. that we don't experience such a high burnout rate, which is what you do see oftentimes in the mental health industries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Jeremy, you have any tips on burnout?
3: <laughs> well, I can tell you that um, having other people speak into your life mm. and the weight of counseling can be extremely burdensome at times, especially when you have several people on your caseload and things aren't going very well yeah. and you're not seeing very many results. Um, it can be overwhelming. So I think it's beyond brilliant and profoundly wise Uh, that you've brought that into your book as something that's very important for people in biblical care.
1: So, I'm going to utilize this time to kind of be selfish in a way of um, couples that I counsel. I think one of the main things that, as you talk about lanes, one of the lanes I'm in a lot is intimacy. Mm. And you have a section here that you actually talk about You're going to do, do the song. Yeah. 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 I was waiting for it. So, I was like, you know, they leave it to me to make um, the everything awkward, Jonathan. Oh, so perfect. just bear with you me. You and I would be good friends. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I have a sound
0: pad for you actually. Oh,
1: goodness. But here is one of the things that actually, in reading your book, I was like, Wait, that's mind blowing and yet it's common sense. So you said whenever I officiate a wedding, I remind couples of two things marriage is temporary and thus sex is temporary. Yeah. yeah. Well, hello. <laughs> that kind of makes it more urgent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just yeah. will you just share a little bit about intimacy and the importance of a marriage, maybe things that you encourage your couples, because I think if they're an individual out there, I mean, not only to help as a counselor me yeah. speak into intimacy and the levels of it, but individually I think we'd all benefit from it.
2: Right. Well, you come to Track F, you know, it's called the <laughs> call to Council Conference. Oh, cool. That's one of the things we're going to be addressing. This. Susan Thomas is doing mm-hmm. a whole okay. session on romance and sex. And, you know, in a variety of different ways, you know, uh, the church, again, has not probably equipped. Uh, couples to think rightly about sex. If the culture has said sex is everything, mm-hmm. then I think the church tends to say sex is nothing. You know, we don't talk about it, It's a little bit taboo. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. balanced yeah, purity, at all. purity culture. And mm-hmm. so it's not sex is everything, sex is nothing, but sex is something. Mm-hmm. Sex is a way that we can glorify God in our relationship. And uh, like like the, the aspect of marriage itself in terms of its storytelling capability, sex is designed for a specific time, and for a specific relationship in marriage, you know, here on earth. And, and I think it's important to help set those, those expectations in that framework early on. Uh, and just depending on where couples come from and where husband and wife comes from, maybe they need to move a little bit more towards the center if they've come from an overly or hypersexualized culture or if they come more from a purity culture, um, you know, which has very much demeaned sex or made it dirty or been more puritanical about it, mm. to say, no, sex is actually a good thing. And so knowing your couple, knowing the husband and wife, knowing their family of origin, their background. I think all of those things are really important. And maybe we rush too quickly to just talking about sex, you know, in terms of the confines of the marriage or in the context of a marriage rather than doing due diligence to find out all the different things that go into forming our understanding of sexual intimacy.
0: That's really interesting because you actually look at the local church and you have those polar opposites in the church, like our church is full of that. Yeah. And we, to your point, we really don't do a lot of talking about intimacy.
1: Well, I like how he said the, the culture sure is. And yes. it's like, we should be just as loud in the church. I mean, if this yeah. is the way that God designed it. It should be very joyful. We should be excited about it and be shining the light on, no, this is what it looks right. like, you right. know, right. and really in doing it in the way that God designed that intimacy really becomes a form of worship, worshiping yes, the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if during you have to go in to the Lord in prayer, so be it, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so um, I mm-hmm. love that you, you obviously didn't shy away from that. And that's actually something you're like on the wedding day, I want to yeah. make sure that I right. say, hey, sex is temporary. Right. Like let's get it, let's <laughs> get it going on, you know? Yeah. So thank you for no. doing that. You have obviously a gift of writing, and I don't know how you did it, but there was a way here that you not only wrote this for marriage counselors and encouraging the actual counselor, but then encouraging those who aren't yet counseling. And I could read this as an individual um, just in, to impact my own marriage. And so I don't know how you did it, but you um, brought in real-life stories, you. and um, it's obviously an easy read, but very in-depth of a lot of the stuff. And I And I appreciate when you – bring in case studies because yeah. that helps us to relate yes. and you jam packed it with that and helpful yes. tips and stuff so this is a must read mm-hmm. um I and agree. so i i asked let me just say the name just one more time it'll be for in my church who, yes Counsel for <laughs> couples a biblical and practical guide for marriage counseling by jonathan d holmes and so this is a must read everybody go and buy it now main form to get it would it be amazon, yeah, amazon. or okay yeah. Okay, awesome. Or, well, or
3: ChristianCounseling.com. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, ChristianCounseling.com. We got some copies here, too. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome.
1: Uh, literally. Yeah. This, yeah. And, um, and not only a must-read just for individuals, but I think this could be a part of the the training and the curriculum that the churches provide and training their leaders to launch their their counseling ministry. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's great. So, again, thank you for this resource. And do you guys have any final thoughts before we close out?
0: Yeah, I, I do. Just okay. to, speaking of a resource, uh, Jonathan is there anything else additionally you would you would go along with any type of material yeah, resources, books,
1: uh, blogs, oh, websites, I mean, anything. I think
2: all the different blogs out there, I include an appendix in the back of the book with okay. all of, there at least go. all the different blogs uh, that I enjoy reading mm-hmm. about marriage, my favorite resources on marriage and on okay. pre-marriage. I'll put those in the um, show notes. That's right. Good. So you can, yeah. you can, you can download that. The one, the one note that I'd mentioned too, when I started writing the book and I was, you know, talking with different people, Ed Welch had encouraged me. he said, Make sure you also write the book for couples. You mm. know, so some couples, I would say, just depending on your relational, you know, IQ, where you're at in your marriage, it would also be good for couples to read. So, mm. let's say you have some communication issues or intimacy issues, the the book is written to where you could read it yourself and I think be helped by it, not needing uh, the help of a counselor. Um, but for couples that are more in crisis or have more c- acute or chronic problems, it's probably best suited for caregiver or lay counselor to be walking uh, the person through the concert. see
1: here you are so. writing a book proactive and reactive situation <laughs> like I don't know how you did it but yeah, it's obviously the Lord's work a so a mm-hmm. lot of hope all well, right
0: Jonathan thank, thank you for you. taking the time it to is. speak thank with us here at you. speak, speak the, truth the truth and bring in some truth uh, through your book uh, regarding counseling couples and so we appreciate that thank you. Uh, any any final thoughts
2: no just thankful to be here thankful for the work that speak the truth and ABC is doing to help equip people in the local church.
1: Thank you, Jonathan.
0: All right. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for stopping by. We'll see you next time.